Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like the show, rate it, review it, subscribe to it. Tell, you know, a couple of different people that you listen to Lamestream Sports. We would we would appreciate it greatly. We would really love it if you did what Steve just asked you to do. Um, Wes Bowling is our guest on the show today. The hashtag better bowling uh, is on the program. <laughs> and a really like what I lo- what I love about soccer announcers, Steve, and I don't know why this is unique to soccer. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's unique. To, it's just a thing that happens because we live in a freelance gig economy. I don't know. But it feels like soccer guys have just and John Freeman was this way as well, just like this really like incredible background of broadcasting and marketing and PR, but also um, they just have honed their craft specifically around soccer. And in Wes's case, obviously with huge influence as a university of Tennessee alumni and fan with John Ward. And I just find it, I just find his story very, very interesting. Is this just a soccer thing that happens? And is it because soccer doesn't have as many broadcast jobs that are full time? Um, I'm asking you a question that we didn't prepare for. Uh, I, I I don't think that, I mean, I, I think there's a I think there's a lot of broadcast out there that's that's still freelance. It's not uh, there's more of it in soccer maybe than in some other places, but okay. but 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 they're largely. I mean, outside of you know outside of you know a certain number of network gigs, th- these are all these are all relatively freelance positions. And, and Wes, and I think first of all, Nashville SC fans in Nashville are should be incredibly grateful for people like Wes in that they are so polished and so trained and so good at their job while also having another full-time job that has nothing to do with Nashville SC. I find that to be fascinating. Uh, if you, if you haven't, uh, you can catch the Nashville SC broadcast streaming off of their site. Or uh, if you have the iHeartRadio app, you can, you can just search for Nashville SC on there and, and listen to it. I highly recommend it. Um, it's a really good, uh, it, it's a really good experience, and if you uh, if you if you're if you're sort of careful about it, I mean, you can you can sort of sync it up with the uh, you can sort of sync it up with it like in a way broadcast if you want to listen to if if you want to listen to West, but um, and, and and still watch the game. But if you just want to listen to the game, uh, it's a great radio call, and that's yeah. the thing is great radio calls paint a picture that you don't have to have the action right in front yep. of you. And we'll give you some recommendations a little bit later on in the show. And we'll talk to Wes here coming up in just a second. But before we do, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by the fine folks and free parking at Jaspers. The free parking is now title sponsor of the show. Lamestream Sports brought to you by Jaspers Free Parking Lot. Matter of fact, if there were a Monopoly edition of Nashville restaurants, they would be in the corner at free parking. I also think um, if you get in trouble, You're with welcome the, for that. If you, yeah, if you get in trouble with the spouse, you know, for any particular reason, you could just take her to Jasper's. They will be something for her to do. You can keep a side eye on the game, and basically, Jasper's turns into a get out of jail free card. How about well that? Well played. Well played. It was a little circuitous, but we got there. We got, we there. got there. Go to, go to Jasper's. Go to, go to Jasper's, everybody. The parking is free. The menu is still spectacular. It's never changed. I mean, it's changed and evolved. But like the standards have never changed. It is still the next evolution of the sports bar with spectacular food and drinks and a game room and a mar- grab and go market and a library and a bar with great TVs and happy hours and all kinds of great stuff. It is it's the complete package. It is it's the it's the guy that that Mike Jacobs and Gary Smith have been looking for on the right <laughs> wing. It's the Jacob Schaffelberg of Nashville restaurants. <laughs> 
Yes. Yes, that's exactly what it is. So go to go to Jasper's, uh, everybody. Enjoy the uh, the fine food and drinks and all the great people that are over there and the free parking. So uh, recommendations coming up a little bit later on. But here was our conversation with Nashville SC radio play-by-play man, Wes Bowling. Wes, welcome to Lamestream Sports. How are you, sir? I know this is the accomplishment of your lifetime. I'll tell you what, I wondered if it would ever happen. I've been saying on our podcast for a year and a half that this is my favorite podcast in Nashville, including my own. <laughs> and and then I saw a number of amazing distinguished guests come on. But then when you had Mailbag on for a week, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is never happening. Listen. This is never happening. You just Mailbag over me. Ma- and- mail- mailbag is quite compelling. You know, he's a, he's quite a talker. So it, That actually was a really good episode i hated to admit it after i heard it because i was a little little resentful but i had come to terms with it never happening that was okay and then i got the call so uh, i appreciate it good, good to get on with you guys well you so, got the you got the call and then the call was like oh let's wait a couple of weeks ah, so, stop it steve hey if, if i'm getting trumped by a guy like jr lind that's good company that is under that was a great one as well so it was I, really I good hard his, feelings. his uh his his last uh um his last walk a mile feature just ran the scene this week really really good if you haven't had a chance to check it out i have wanted to be friends with him for years after following his coverage so i at the very least being almost adjacent to him on a podcast will have to do since he's moving to california yeah, actually, well, wait, no, that's steve, nice stop, guy in person. steve stop we're gonna talk Just about not. wes's career today on the show <laughs> but but before we do uh make the case that you are in fact a better bowling i can't i wish i could Oh come on! Hey, look, oh, look, come on! Every look, everything the guy does is objectively better than exactly the same thing that I did. We both ran cross country in high school. He ran in college. We both did speech and debate. He went to the national tournament. We both did local media. I got out at least for a while. Now he's you know doing great work at one hundred four five, and he's he's on freaking ESPN. And uh, so. I, I, I honestly, I, I try. I try every time to make the case, and I'm like, I'm the older bowling, but that doesn't make me better anymore. That makes me old, <laughs> right? But but you, in fact, have a career that generates revenue, so that's a you have. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is true, and that is the everlasting hunt in sports media that is hard to hard to ever find. So that we'll go with that, sure. So before we get into all of the soccer conversation and and your play by play work, your your analyst work, all this stuff, like do do please do tell everybody what your official day-to-day job title is and what you actually do every day i am a a shill for a tire company um senior communications and content manager for nokian tires north america which i know everyone on the whoever listens to the show is very interested to hear all about the tire world i'm sure that's absolutely tuned in today Um, but yeah essentially i i do media relations press releases um marketing content materials, uh, influencer relationships for the 20th largest tire company in North America, a Finnish company with a headquarters uh, locally in Dayton, Tennessee. Have you gotten to go to, to Finland? Or is that You have? Yeah, Finland and even Russia. We, have, we had a factory, long story, in Russia until uh, this year. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I visited Finland, did a, an Arctic influencer trip in mid-January, uh, north of the Arctic Circle. Oh, how, how how many times have you been to Europe for, uh, for your company? For my company, twice, just the two okay. times. So Russia with a stopover in Finland in June okay. when there was no darkness, and then January when there was no what, sunlight. What what? Because first of all, I will say, of all the people that I follow and 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 consume their content, like your tire content is the best tire content <laughs> I've ever seen. And I'm not. That's not even a joke. That's <laughs> actually you. true. I mean that. Um, but what exactly does an Arctic influencer? marketing 
trail campaign circle look like? What does that mean? What does that actually? We mean? took we took five Americans, a Canadian, and five Europeans, and we played in the snow for three days. We did dog dog sledding, um, northern lights hunting, uh, reindeer safaris, the ice swim you see, and, and jumped in the sauna. And then we went to the tire track for half a day on some frozen lakes and spun around on some tires. I was going to say not a lot of tires on those dogs. It, it's sleds. a it's a lifestyle thing. That's our and that's our thing, right? Like not getting too deep into tires, but the Please. way we tell the story kind of ties into how I told stories in local sports back in the day. Like taking something that's not entirely relevant to the audience at times and making it interesting. And so for us our way in is that finished lifestyle. We're making winter tires especially in those conditions and so if you're experiencing those conditions yourself you're kind of going through what the tires are so that's how, steve, we, how we go about that. steve people pay thousands of dollars for a vacation like that and and west just got paid to go do all that that silly nonsense that sounds like a blast dude that sounds like the greatest work oh, this, this is not a criticism not no, at all i hope my boss is not listening because i will tell you i will never leave that job as long as they want to have me <laughs> i they could they could like how, whatever i will stay. how is your finish give me give me uh, some Kitos means thank you. Um, Kipish right. means cheers, which they say, just remember that, because it sounds like get pissed. Um, <laughs> uh, that, that's about all I got there. Hakapalita um, yeah. is the name of our winter tire line, so that that's the one that's important, and uh, spelling that took me all of three months to figure out. You're in the wrong sport doing soccer. You need to be doing hockey, and you could you could be hanging out with Pekka and UC Saros and all these other guys. Wouldn't you know what? I take a factory tour in Finland and the tour guide. I'm talking to hockey with them because that's my way in with those guys. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm friends with UC's dad, of course. Like, they all know each other. <laughs> of course. They're Small so stereotypical. Yep. So, yep. so, all right. Uh, obviously, tons of media and PR and communications and marketing in your background, which is all very much tied to, to media in any form or fashion, sports or otherwise. So exactly, kind of take people back. I know you're a University of Tennessee guy. So take people back to getting started going off of the sports path, but then having this tether back into sports kind of constantly to, to where now you're, of course, the, the radio voice for a, a professional sports team in the United States. Passion is like a magnet, right? It keeps drawing you back in. When I was five years old, I decided I was going to be the next John Ward. Wrote a book at age six dedicated to Johnny Majors called the UT Report for like the little classroom, like five page books that you write, you know, recapping the season. Everybody else was like, my trip to the dentist, you know, my dog Skip. And I was like, oh, yeah, my University of Tennessee 90-91 season. Uh, that was kind of the calling, right? I went to the Big Orange Broadcast Camp in high school. Um, Big Orange Broadcast, that's Bob, the acronym. Yes, Bob Kessling named it after himself, uh, the Bob Camp. That, that was the path. That says so much. <laughs> it does. It really does. Uh, that that was the path. And majored in sports broadcasting at UT. And, and radio was always kind of the passion. Play-by-play was the direction I always wanted to take it. But there wasn't really a track for that. I learned too late the value of you know doing 18 random different teams while you're in school to, to get there. Uh, but I interned at a lot of TV stations, interned with Rudy Kalis in Nashville, Prince of a Gentleman, as you guys both know. Um, and then that led to being the number three sports reporter at the CBS affiliate in Knoxville, WVLT. I say number three because, yeah, of course, I was covering University of Tennessee, but it's not as much of a one-trick pony town as you as you think. There's a diverse sports scene beneath the surface. It was the cat fashion show of, of sports, really, though. You know, whatever they didn't want to go cover, they'd send me to cover. So I was doing things from curling to to wakeboarding. I was the, the high school, you know, beat reporter, essentially, which I loved that part of it, um, traveling all over the, the state to cover stuff there. And and, you know, about three years into those four years, I thought, this is like eating dessert every day. I love the access. 
But the thing that used to be the sweetest in my life now is getting just a little bit repetitive for me. Many can do it for 40, 50 years and, and, and sustain a career. Day to day, what I was giving up was just too much. Uh, I went, moved back to Nashville, got an MBA. And as far as I was concerned, I was, I was done with, with sports media. I was going to get to go to games again. I refreshed my wardrobe of orange that I couldn't wear while I was in TV. But then Brentwood Academy, my alma mater, needed a football play-by-play guy. I'm not sure I'll do that. That, that sounds fun. Oh, this is, wow, yeah, this is every bit as fun as I thought it would be growing up. Let's find some other opportunities. Started doing the state track championship, um, talked with with Mike Strickland, former Belmont AD, and just said, give me games, give me a microphone, I don't care the sport. And uh, a couple days later, they said, hey, we've got some soccer games coming up if you want to do them. Um, so I started doing some soccer. I was a, a lifelong fan of soccer, especially in the last 15 years. And then, you know, five years later, I'd done five years of soccer play-by-play. I'm working in tires at this point. And um, met some Nashville SC reps for, for the USL club while I was doing my day job. They wanted you know, my, old, my old company to sponsor NSC. It was really never going to happen. But in the course of those conversations, I said, hey, uh, I'll also do broadcast work. If you ever need somebody to, you know, to, to do any games, I'm, I'm here. And then John Freeman gets the TV job. I think oh, that ship has sailed. Um, I get a call from Ryan Porth the Thursday before uh, a Mother's Day game against Louisville City, first year of USL. I was I was covering the team via a blog at that point. It was in the press box every day. And he said, you know, based on your relationships you've built with this club, you were on a short list of people we'd like to come in and um, and maybe be the color commentator for the first USL match that we're going to be doing on radio. Since it's three days out, it's really all about availability for you and for whoever else. Can you can you do it? And I said, yeah, uh, I would love to. That's great. That's what I've been working toward. And they said, okay, well, there's this guy named Chris Childers who's going to do play-by-play. Um, shout out to an episode not long ago. Chris, awesome guy. And then heard back the next day, yeah, Chris doesn't think he can devote the time to really do play-by-play for this one. He's going to be your color <laughs> if you can do play-by-play. I was like, yeah, that's even better. That's what I actually <laughs> want to do. And so I said, so, so Chris Childers had changed his mind in the span of two days. This is shocking. I know. This is a shocking development. That. Yeah. I know you're absolutely okay. stunned. All right. And so, you know, I, I put together a somewhat embarrassing pregame playlist that I still have for each game. But one of the songs I put on there on my way was, was Hamilton's My Shot, right? Like the idea of I'm not throwing away this shot. I'm not letting anybody else take this microphone away. Uh, this is an opportunity that's amazing. It fits with my lifestyle that I wanted when I got out of sports, which is to have a wife and a, and a kid and to have time for those things on weekends, but it's still a pursuit I can, I can pour myself into. Um, and it fits with that original dream, right. Of, of doing play by play at a level that, you know, is a team that people pay attention to. Um, and uh, so it, it's been an incredible blessing. Can, can I ask you about the, the, the transition out? And fr- frankly, I find your early um, acknowledgement of the stressors of the media industry to be pretty wise in terms of how old you were at that time. Like I'm 40 and I'm still not learning the lesson. <laughs> and, and again, you're, you're, uh, I don't know how, how old your, your boy, like you see, he's like almost two he's years two. old, two yep. years old. So when was this decision and how did you know, like pre wife, pre child that that was going to be like, this was not something you wanted to dedicate your entire self to, because what happens to most of us is when you're that age in your early twenties or mid twenties, you get into this business and you're just like, oh my God, this is spectacular. This is amazing. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'll do anything they ask. I'll overwork myself. I'll work on weekends. How did you 
like how did you come to the realization that like that wasn't the thing you really wanted to do? So that exact feeling, the you know, can't believe I'm here feeling lasted about those first two years. I had a had a relationship, a long distance relationship where I didn't see the other person that that kind of started to inform me of some of the sacrifices once I you know was doing real life things with myself uh, instead of just uh, you know playing around in sports. But I think it was also the nature of the medium. And you've had amazing local TV folks on here who do a great job creating lasting impressions and making their two to five minutes, increasingly two minutes of each each night count. For me, it was it was the ethereal nature of it. It was that you know we're putting something out. I'm, I'm, I'm working so hard every weekend to put out something that is going really in one ear and out the other. You know, people don't DVR great great local sports casts and hold on to them forever. Um, at least my print friends had tangible evidence of the great work they were doing or, or a digital search trail, whereas that wasn't really the thing in, in TV, especially at that time. And so it, it just felt like I was doing a whole lot for something that was so transient in nature. Um, so that was part of it. I, I can't tell you that if I were in radio or I were in print, I, I maybe I would have made the different decision and stuck with it. But it was local TV itself that for me, at least, felt like it was just you know, a ship in the night with the awareness of the audience. It was, you're just passing and that's it. And there wasn't a lot of advancement for me at that station to get to it. And you're not going to get to a schedule, no matter how advanced you are, that's going to be any kinder to you. And so uh, it was just, I just got, thought to myself, I, it's it's just this, the sweetness of the job is starting to become cloying sweetness. It's starting to, to add up, but then I didn't want to get pigeonholed as the sports guy and, the sports people that we know in this market, the, the local TV sports types, almost to a man and a woman, are some of the most intelligent people that, you know, they're, they're incredibly intelligent. But but employers in the business world don't always see it that way. They see you as the sports person. And I knew before I was in this for 10, 15, 20 years, I needed to do something, I'll get an MBA, do something to establish a credential that I was more than just a sports guy, which is not the insult I'm applying because, again incredibly intelligent people, but the insult that maybe the job market outside of sports will sometimes. The, the MBA thing is an interesting kind of pivot. Uh, had you already, was there something that you knew you wanted to do? Did you want to go into comms or did you want to do something businessy? Which, which is, you, you hear like a lot of people when they, they pick up an MBA at, you know, kind of, kind of later in their, I mean, they, they start a career and then they're like, Oh, I'm going to go do the MBA thing. They don't, they don't have really kind of a, a defined thing that they know that they want to do. Yeah, I really had no idea. There was not a defined path. I think if I were smart, I would have sat there and said, you know, what ties into the communications world? Oh, yeah, public relations, marketing, whatever, which is where I ended up. Honestly, I was open to like, is finance for me? <laughs> it was not based on the finance <laughs> class I took. Um, so so it, was, it was almost more about the reset and it was about the credential when I started. And then quickly, once I got in, I started defining a path and I was working at actually my parents' small business and doing some of that, you know, the work. They let me into the accounting books. They let me do the marketing campaign. So I kind of got to explore what I liked once I, once I started the program ended up establishing a great sense of direction. I met my wife day one of the program. So it's the most expensive dating service ever. <laughs> uh, and, and through that process did, did find that passion, but it was not part of as much as I would like to, to say it was, it was not part of a calculated strategic effort to, to funnel myself toward a particular career direction. That, that, that is, yeah. Finance was not your strong suit. If you ended up with uh, with a family out of the deal, cause children, that is not a good investment. Financially. Not wise, <laughs> not wise at all. So, all right, let's go back to then. Let's jump forward to you. You get on your first broadcast. Uh, I, I had the pleasure of working with you a couple of times. I worked with John Freeman as well. I, I think what I am astonished by for most, and I, I think this isn't different necessarily for you or for him or for anybody else. 
the level of like preparation and and sort of the laying out of of the thing even for a usl soccer match to your point you weren't going to miss your opportunity so let's go through the first broadcast the nerves the excitement the memories take us through that first one uh, yeah i mean i think it was one thing i one thing i think i do well i do a lot of things poorly i just mangled my sink faucet the other day with a simple replacement there's a lot of things in life i just don't do well one thing i think is a strength is is taking the the combined work of so many that I hear and expose myself to and carving out my version of that by imitating the best of what I hear. And the goal is, of course, to not make it sound like it's anybody else's work. But I think between that and between sitting in front of a television since I was literally five years old with it muted and calling games, it, it I had more experience than than maybe uh, the the resume would tell you because uh, you can't put, you know, called 1991 Braves team from my living room on a resume. And, <laughs> and so it felt, it felt more natural than anything I'd ever done, honestly. So the first, the first game, yeah, I mean, I think I overprepared and I think I've learned even how to fine tune that preparation a little bit to make it more relevant to the storylines of the game. So I had all the, all this information swimming around. I realized quickly how little of that you actually use directly and how much of it's good for, for context. And I learned the game. It's like, like refereeing, like playing the game slows down for you, the more you do it. But it felt more natural than I thought it would because I was I was kind of channeling some of the best of what I'd heard elsewhere and not ever trying to imitate one person because I could never do justice to those who have done this for years and years and years, but but making it my own. And so it, it really felt natural. There were no nerves. It was defiance. Um, Rudy Kalis told me one time, I asked him foolishly because he's, what, a 40-year vet of this business. I said, do you ever get nervous when you go on to, to anchor a sports cast? And he said, no. I get focused on the two or three things I really want to get across. And that's kind of how I felt. I wasn't nervous. I was focused on the story. And that focus is, has narrowed and become stronger as I've done more games. I'm a, have you listened to any of the USL work that you've done, that you've done recently? A little bit, yeah. So, so where, how, how, do you, how do you come out here on the curve? I mean, I, I, like, when, I, when I listen to you now, it's a it, it's a very polished broadcast. Um, how, when when you listen to the when you listen to your USL reps, I mean, first of all, it's great to get those reps. Uh, I mean, to get them as live action mm -hmm. and to get them at, at at a high level. I mean, I mean, there's a there, there's a there's a difference between I mean doing that and doing a high school game or doing doing something at at, at a dramatically different level. You're seeing the the speed of play. You're seeing you know, technique, you're seeing uh, things much more realistic to uh, in application than the, for what you're calling an MLS right now. Yeah. H how much of a, how much of a curve was there into kind of what you're doing now? Yeah. I think, you know, it, it I, I've listened back a little bit, not a ton, but when I have, I, I think it, it's, it's about pace and capturing every, every play. It's about vocab. And that's where I think I've tried to, to grow and, you know, I, some people call soccer as if it's a talk show until the ball gets into the final third. And then it's every touch that matters for me. I, I try to call it a little more like basketball and that's probably not suitable for every listener that not everybody probably loves that. But I figure if you're listening to radio, you probably know enough about the team that you don't need all the context in the world for me. I'll give you that you know, when it's appropriate. But, but I think early in USL, I, I tried that same approach, but it was, it was going to come off not quite as well because I wasn't, you know, keeping up to that, to that pace and the vocab too. I think the, the best thing that 
that I've done is listen to other good people do this. And who's it, who's in your head? Who who do you who do you hear? Because I, I do this yeah. when I'm when I'm writing. You know, I I hear. I mean, I I hear you know stuff that I've read in other it's, places, and I try not I try not to imitate, but. But I, but I, you definitely get influenced by it. Yes, the number one person who I really admire, whose work I really like, is Jake Ziven. He's a TV guy, does radio too for the Portland Timbers, and I th- and he does some national work too. So those who are listening, are he's like he's a Spain, he's a backup you know. Fox guy, isn't he? He is, yeah, and he's you know of these these national jobs. I think he's somebody who's positioned himself really well next year when the media landscape completely changes in that sport. Uh, he's he's brilliant. I, I really respect the great American voices who have done it because I think we have a little more freedom to establish our own style um, in this country. And I think he's he and John Strong are two voices that I hear. Um, you know, and even when it comes down to things like you know inflection and tone and pace, there are elements of what they do that I that I certainly want to to try to borrow, but certainly not imitate. And then you combine that with the great the great voices you hear on places like TalkSport. I was so sad when they finally got their geotagging right to where I can't just listen to every, <laughs> you know, third division British soccer match on a Saturday morning when I'm mowing the lawn. That's still a hobby of mine when I can get those because I think, you know, the, the vocab they use there, not down to trying to borrow English terms. I think we can make this our own and, and blend the great traditions of the world with our own vocabulary. I don't have to call it a pitch every time. It can be a damn field. That's okay. <laughs> uh, but, but. I think borrowing a little bit of both, right? And, and especially the vocab of those who come over. Tony Husband does such an incredible job on TV. And, and, and then when I was doing color commentary for a couple of years, Jamie Watson was somebody that I watched religiously right across the, the booth, right? Two booths down, uh, down the hall to learn kind of how he captured the essence of a play, but still had that energy in that larger context. And uh, so I think he's another one that even though he's not he doesn't do play-by-play work. Some of the same energy and some of the same precision that he brings to the table still clicks through my head when I'm maybe describing a play after the fact, even as a play-by-play guy. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports, media, and business. And it is, in fact, brought to you by the Nashville Banners, Steve Cavendish, whom? Jaspers. Always brought to you by Jaspers. What what time of year are we getting? We're inching closer to, Braden. We're inching closer to it. Football season. Football season. I love tailgating. I I I I just absolutely love tailgating. A couple hours before a game, put out a spread. It, it, you know, you you and your friends hanging out. Food, maybe a beverage, mm. maybe an alcoholic beverage or two or three. And, you know, everybody is just there. And tailgates are happy places because, you know, you have the game right in front of you. You're about to go enjoy a sporting event. You got food, you have beer. It's fantastic, right? The thing I love about Jasper's is they're helping your tailgate evolve. Go on. No, no. I, this was a setup here. That was, was it. That was it. That was it. Yes. Um, they, they, <laughs> they, of course, they, of course, have a delivery option for an entire tailgate setup. Now, again, in theory, if you can't go to the games because it's very expensive, they will also just bring the tailgate to your house as well. So you could just tailgate it at your house and watch the game. Tailgate and big screen. Always an option. With your own toilet, by the way. Um <laughs> Which is not also huge, by Jasper's. which is a huge. Yeah, they don't deliver the toilet like they're not going to drop off a porta potty at your house. No. Like that's that's ridiculous. 
I don't think they'll do that at the tailgate either. But they will bring a fajita bar to your location. Mm. Eight to ten people. You got a big party fajita going bar. on. Jaspers.restaurant. Check it out. Check it out. They, they I, you, 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 I, you, I, you were doing all the selling for me. I wasn't going to add anything to it. You just kept going. I was like, I'll just let you go with this. Go to Jaspers. Are we done? Is that all? Yeah, we're done. Go to Jaspers. So you talked about John Ward already. And first of all, I, can you please refer to it as the damn field moving forward? Yes. I can, we, can we call it, it that from now on? Um, so we know John Ward's a huge influence on you as, yeah. as almost everybody from Tennessee. And I've heard Tony Husband and John Freeman talk about sort of incorporating the Americana and the state of Tennessee and sort of the cultural, uh, the culture of our region into those broadcasts a little bit. So how do you like give, give us some examples of when you think you've done that well or What's your strategy like? Because, again, you're trying to marry and blend this international sport with the culture of our city and our group of people that are listening. Yeah, the best thing that that Ward did, I think, there are so many. Like, you could name a million great assets, and, and you know, they'd all be right. He found the three to five words at the end of a big play that he knew would resonate with this audience right here. And I think he could have done that in East Tennessee, where he grew up. He could have done it in Pittsburgh. He, he was he was he knew the audience that well. For me, it, it may not be even a thing specific to our culture here, as much as it is reading enough, understanding enough, having relationships here locally that you understand where the fan base is at at a given moment, and you can find those words that are going to hit exactly where your audience is. And I think there's no shame in thinking about those well in advance of a call. In fact, I think you're doing your audience a disservice if you don't at least think about those things. And from what I learned about what, what Ward did, he did as well. You know, I, I've heard from many who worked directly with him, and I, I had the privilege of meeting him several times, but never got to work with him, that he was way more prepared than you'd think for some of those moments, that everything you could script or prepare for in a call, he was ready for. And so I think, you know, if you're really doing this justice, if you really, you know, want to tap through to the essence of what your audience wants and needs, there's some of that work either written down or at least spinning around your head that you've got to do. And I learned that my best preparation for a call is not learning the heights and weights of the center backs of, uh, you know, of, of St. Louis city FC. It's understanding what that audience needs and figuring out how to deliver it. And then you get the details from there. I think that's what he did best beyond just to give him six. You know, I think about, you know, so, so many legendary calls, you know, on play number one, it's like you're digging into, you know, there, and there's so many of those moments of that, that people remember. And that's how I get past that ethereal nature of local TV that frustrated me so much. Radio calls aren't all that different. 99% of what you do on the radio, people are not going to think about after the fact, because it's just about giving them the vehicle to understand what's happening on the field. But there are those moments, and you got to hit those moments. And Ward hit those moments better than anybody who has ever done this, in my opinion, and, and ever will. And all I can do is, is try to emulate the, the process to which he arrived at those special moments. And I think that's, that's what I try to do. Were, were you... Were you allowed? To, didn't you do the the? Wasn't there a give him six reference in a national SC match that 
like caught your broadcast team like completely off guard or something like that. Yeah, that was so Freeman actually did that. Okay. That was a, it was a six three win over Cincinnati, and he he jumped out and, and said okay, that. Okay. And I I almost jumped across the booth and hugged him. It was <laughs> it was awesome. But I, but I still respect too like that that tribute. You know every every match I do uh, you know left to right across your radio dial, which is something he did. Something I learned on your show actually I believe that Mike Keith does yep. uh, as well. Not something I knew he did before. I you know I I borrowed that as well. Um, Tony with his it's soccer time in Tennessee. I, I love that before every TV match because it's it's a subtle nod to the fact that like I'm not some British guy over here trying to tell you how to do things. I'm coming in trying to learn your culture and adapt where I can while still bringing the best of what I do. I think that is that's a note that shows appreciation for his for, for this audience and for this tradition. So there are little things like that that I, I love to hear. As long as somebody's not copying every every little thing, I think there are moments of tribute you can borrow, and I've certainly tried to do that when I can. Everybody everybody seems to make fun of the 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 Nancisms, uh, particularly like in the. Uh, like in like in a in the national championship game, you could you could like if you look at if you look at NCAA Twitter in the in the last five minutes of a game, everybody's trying to predict kind of like <laughs> what's the Nancism going to be here, which is the over, which is like kind of the overscripting of it. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you? Uh, I, I, but I, it's funny you keep mentioning Ward because I, I think in particularly in some of your uh, in some of your goal calls afterwards there's this there's some spacing in there more than necessarily words that i find really interesting because because you're right ward was really great at 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 the drama of 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 you know that half second in between uh, in between words and between the you know the five the four the three the t- you know the of a, of a something that they've already they've already scored and kicked the extra point and you still call on the <laughs> still call on the touchdown yeah. how do you um how do you make sure that 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 you're that you're not overscripting it that you're not but 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 when there's when there's very when there's things that you do want to do that yeah it's it's tricky i think it comes with a feel i think i look back on some things i did especially early on and i say that was way freaking overscripted one time i think i said some, it was it was nashville and louisville city which i tried to coin the distillery derby and I said something like, he delivers the decisive blow on distillery Derby day. Like, oh, Lord, that was way too much. That was not. I think <laughs> I think the, the general rules of thumb, number one, shorter is better. Find three or four words. Don't find nine or ten because three or four seem like a more natural response and can be a more natural response to the moment. Um, whereas nine or ten clearly going to feel scripted. Save the scripting, like the ornate scripting for like the kickoff call, you know, where you're really hitting the moment and trying to. And then, too, it's, it's still got to be true to the moment, right? You can't think of something in advance, then have it, you know, obviously not apply and still try to pull it out. People are going to know that's not contextual. It's not, it's not working. So I think some of the best, you know, final calls that I hear, and maybe if I've done any well, it's, it's actually maybe just a variation on what I thought I was going to say that actually fits the moment. And, and sometimes even is that spontaneous reaction that can be the fruit of thinking all week about the storylines. And um, so some of those that, you know, I, I didn't, I haven't scripted, but I still try to, you know, and, and the delivery too, right? Like you mentioned, it's about the pace, not just all of a sudden reading down your five words and getting them across, but making sure it's punctuated by the sounds of the audience and those beautiful assets that radio brings us. Let me let me ask this, and and I'm going to preface this by saying I don't want anybody to think that there's any sort of implied criticism of Tony Husband in in this question, uh, because I think Tony's done Tony's Tony's done a great job uh, on the TV calls and, and, and has been a great ambassador for Nashville SC. I, I think your throat's cleared here, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
there's a real question of sort of within soccer broadcasts, you know, whether it's radio or TV in the U.S., kind of how much do you embrace, you know, the sort of the Britishisms? Because because for, for a long time, very clearly, if you weren't a British voice, you weren't getting on broadcast. And 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 there's still some of that within. Uh, I mean, in the you know when NBC got the rights uh, over here, they went and got Arlo White uh, mm-hmm. to do MLS broadcast. And there was it was always you know there was always Ian Dark who was who was the voice that you know John Champion is the is the is the lead ESPN guy right now. And there was always sort of this feeling that that authority was was what ne- was needed to put to, to tell people we were serious about what we were doing a- a- as broadcasters so when do we get to this is an um, you know, when are you going to be serious these Wes? are Americans. when are you going to be a serious <laughs> broadcaster <laughs> <laughs> no but but when when do we get to the point that it's okay to have Americans on all uh, on on calls you don't have to have uh, you don't have to have this foreign voice on there yeah, we, we should have been there 20 years ago, quite honestly. And, and I say that because I think we need to be a balance of the best of what the world has to offer and the best of what America has to offer. You want to bring over a Tony Husband or a John Champion or somebody who's great at what they do? Great. We're a melting pot. That's part of the melting pot. But let's not presume that we have to have only British voices or only foreign voices, you know, because I think there's a, a huge, you know, Latin American push too on the other side of that. To be legitimate. Let's legitimize our own voices because I can tell you there are so many amazing, talented American voices who are here waiting to blend the best of the British work they've seen and the best of the Latin American work. John Strong was on our Club and Country podcast, shout out, and uh, and talked about how he he kind of adopts a Latin American style but, but Americanizes it. So it's not all or nothing, right? Like when Tony came over here, my biggest concern was, do we think we have to have a British voice to be legitimate? And is he going to be curious about adopting our culture? And he gets over here and he's a huge NFL fan. And he's nerding out when he's traveling to these cities because he's getting to see, you know, where the Seahawks play and drive by the Rams place. And and he's amazingly curious about our culture. There's, there's always going to be a place for British voices to come over and do it well. Um, but I think to say that we have to have that to legitimize us and everybody has to, has to have that, that accent. I can't adopt a British accent. You don't want to hear it. So I, I, you know, I can't become British, but I think, I don't know. I think I do. I think I do want to hear it. I was James and James, the giant peach in eighth grade. And I tried the British accent. That's about as far as I'm going to go. Um, maybe if I have, we're having whiskey right now, instead of some coffee, maybe, um, But but I think it's it's a testament to our insecurity as a as a soccer um, community. I think that's something we talked about again. Shout out with Alexi Lala. So one of the early podcasts that we did was, you know, he he's a huge card carrying pro American voices guy. He's an American voice on national TV. Of course he would be. Let's find that balance. Let's all let's be that melting pot that we are culturally as a country in our soccer game because. To, to, to be on the other side and to say you can only be American voices and, and, you know, that's the superior way to go would ignore, you know, centuries of history in the sport and diversity. But if Argentina can make soccer its own, they're not bringing in British voices, you know, maybe a bad yeah. example because of the language barrier. But, but you know, we lean on that language commonality to say, well, that's that's the voice of the game. Yeah, in some cases, there are amazing, you know, people who are coming over from that English background to do a great job. But let's not pretend... You have to be British to do this well. I think I'm a huge proponent for developing and giving opportunities to American voices. Maybe we should just start hiring people from 
countries that win World Cups and international tournaments. That is, that is for, now that, we will know. That, if that Tony is for was yes. To that, that, that is for <laughs> that is for an audience of one person. <laughs> um, no. So going back to quickly the the radio style and 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 I guess maybe TV to some extent, but I think radio more because it's a, a an you know it's 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 heard and I think. Some of the things that, that you do, you talk about sort of the pace and the tempo, being prepared but not overly scripted, staying out. Some of the things that I've learned listening to you is knowing when to back out and let the crowd do the work and let the, the sounds do the work, which doesn't seem to happen a whole lot in other sports. Like you don't do that much in basketball. You don't do that in hockey. Maybe maybe with the, the Preds, you know, music, they let it happen. But what are some of the other things that, that you have learned, tricks of the trade that are specific to soccer as a broadcast on play-by-play that you think are important, whereas maybe it's not the same in football or hockey or basketball. Yeah, trying to trying to match the flow of the sport is important for any sport, right? And and trying to figure out the moments to sit back and provide context and let the game, you know, breathe a little bit versus being tiki-taka and calling every touch. So I think one little thing is, you know, again, some people say don't call the action, you know play by play by play until they're in the final third. For me, it's more like the opposing half, you know, and and when they're back in their own end, that's the time to let the color commentator in or the time to foster discussion or give that context. So very, from a very specific technical standpoint, I think that's, that's something. The other thing I will address though, is the, is the laying out piece of it. I think there's, there is some, some almost dogma around that right now in broadcast circles that you've got to sit and, you know, say goal and then get away for, for 15 seconds. I think the, the way that I kind of, I have a prescribed style for, for goal calls and, by the way, last year, John Freeman was out for five games when I was doing color. I filled in not a single Nashville goal in those five games. One of the highest scoring teams <laughs> in the league. I didn't get a single goal call. Like, look, I need a resume of stuff to convince the club I'm the guy. I, I had to play like Philadelphia Union goals. It was the worst. Um, so I didn't even get the chance to hone that. But I think that the style is, let you know, after the goal happens, obviously you're going to want to hit the action, know exactly who did what. Then you lay out, but only really for about four to five seconds. You know, I'm not going to sit there and, on TV, maybe a little longer, but but then there's that's that's your moment, right? That's your chance to sum up the significance of this goal. And maybe not every time. If you're down four one, you score that second goal. It's just yeah, yeah. maybe it's a lifeline. But but most of the time, because those moments are so few and far between in soccer, maybe that's the other thing that's particular to the game as opposed to basketball or even football is those moments are so rare that there's a great opportunity to provide significance and meaning to every one of those moments. Even if it's a Wednesday, June game against, you know, Toronto FC. Um, so I think that's, that's where you've really done your thinking in advance and your prep in advance is what am I going to need to capture that exact moment? And, and again, that's where some, some scripting comes into play, but not always because as a game evolves, you're going to need to quickly grasp that context and throw that in. So I think the formula would be, you know, again, call the goal, sit out for four to five seconds, then have your follow-up, you know, significance line, how it built up, and then let the color commentator take it the rest of the way. The MLS, uh, MLS broadcaster is going to be changing next year. We've talked a little bit about this on, on this pod. Uh, it, for, for people just catching up on it, how are, NFL TV, I mean, it's not NFL, MLS uh, TV and radio broadcast going to change next year. Yeah, so there will be no more local TV broadcasts, and so they will be um, league-controlled through Apple TV, uh, approximately, I guess, 14 crews to cover the, the 29 teams that will be in the league next year, so, so 14 games a week. And um, really, there's not a lot more that we know. Uh, I think there, there's a lot in terms of who those people will be, in terms of whether they'll be on-site or, or remote, at least to the outset. Um, that, that we don't know. Um, it's going to make radio, I think, more of a centerpiece for for clubs who choose to embrace it as such. 
Um, whereas now clubs are required to have local TV broadcasts. And so they have broadcast departments or at least, you know, are they're contracting those. Obviously, that's gone next year. And so there's going to be a seismic shift at the league level, but also at the club level. Beyond that, I think there's a lot of uncertainty and, and certainly people with, with much higher stakes than me because it's about careers and not and not side hustles. And so it's a sensitive place to, to tread. But I think for the fan it's, it themselves, it's going to be fantastic because you're going to have every game available on Apple TV. There's some talk that, that radio calls can be simulcast. You can press a radio button and listen to the local radio call, which, of course, selfishly, I absolutely love. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think but, but whether... I'm the guy next year. What what any any individual club is going to do? I think all those things are really up in the air. And again, I'm trying to just be patient and understand that that there are people with a lot more in play here than I have. Something I love doing, but um, not my livelihood. And so I want to be. And I, I'm earnest. I want to be that guy. Uh, but I also understand the the sensitivity of that matter. Yeah, you're you're, you, you're too hard on yourself, Wes. You you deserve the opportunity. So thank you. Have Have you heard anything timeline wise? Yeah. Uh, just just no, nothing nothing I, I think it's it's so hard because they're in the weeds of a busy season now the off season is going to be the world cup and so a lot of those same you know executives probably are are going to be diving right into that so i don't know um i don't know anything and i think it's not just that i'm in the dark i think it's just something that's still being decided at a lot of different levels so um don't don't really know much more than than the general public at this point well, it it sound it feels like, and I don't know how you guys feel. It feels like that that Jamie Watson will probably be all but guaranteed a national spot. We'll see about Tony. He certainly deserves it. There's no question about that. We'll, we'll they're see. extraordinary. They but yeah. they both have the quality and space to do that and do it well. I, I hope they get the opportunity if it's something they choose to pursue. So yeah. we go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna go to another topic here because I know Wes, you're up against it on time. But what what um you, we've talked about your prep your preparation and how well you know how ready you are for every possible moment how many more late concession calls do you have in the bag (laughs) that's the thing that's that's been so challenging is that those first two years there were stories of of success to tell every match something new was happening for this club and even if it was a you know a, a moment of failure the team's new and it's expected of an expansion team and as the club has solidified in year three there's still been amazing moments i think this team still has such incredible upside but but yeah it, the, those late goals have been have been challenging for sure and there you've got the challenge of channeling the frustrations of your audience because you want to resonate with where they're at but also being realistic that this team honestly is not playing that badly they're just having bad moments in in, in key in key situations which of course in soccer is all that matters right it's about those moments and so yeah that's definitely been been a challenge this year but i think i think things are still looking up for this team. are you allowed to say are you fucking kidding me on iHeartRadio, or <laughs> is that a that is that frowned a, upon are you that? under fcc rules there not under fcc rules there might be other powers that be that might discourage that yeah, there's Just a brand there's a brand to maintain uh that that is that is for sure uh yeah event it's funny because i listen obviously club and country great podcast you and tim doing a wonderful job go check it out everybody i think it's it's funny because you guys keep harping on the expected the expected the expected and at some point once you get to like 30 matches you're sort of just it's the expected doesn't matter anymore it's just what the results actually say so yeah um i, I do think the team is is I, I i agree with your guys basic premise that if things work out this team is going to be very solid and dangerous down the stretch um all right let's let's take it back to west five-year-old kid seven-year-old kid sit in front of the tv but instead of the braves going to this you know in, incredible impromptu world series run um Second place, Braves. Uh, I would like to say <laughs> for now. I, yeah, well, the def- you should just say, "Look at the jewelry, Braden." That's all you got to say. Um, 
I, I would like to let your like um, childhood emotional self come out a little bit and imagine what it would be like to call a U.S. game-winning goal in a World Cup match. I'm not going to say elimination round. I'll say group match because that's more likely. But let, <laughs> let's go with a group match, win, like game-winning goal in stoppage time. Like, Can you even begin to imagine what that would be like as someone with your background and experience? Yes and no. Obviously, the magnitude of a moment like that is something that is just so hard to, to comprehend. But But yes, in that... The opportunity I have now versus what I've always dreamed of doing makes those key Nashville SC moments seem that significant, at least in the moment. You know, this is a this is a drug. And every time <laughs> there's a big late moment or even even a four three loss with a lot of exciting moments, I don't sleep for four hours after those broadcasts. Those late kickoffs doom me to an unproductive next day because I can't go home and get to sleep. Afterward, this is it. This is a drug. I've learned that throughout my career. I try to get away from sports. It brings me back in Godfather three, like, like totally. And yeah, it, it, I, I don't think I can leave this. And I think if Nashville SC were to move in a different direction with radio at some point, you know, one day next year, or 20 years from now, I'll go find somewhere else to call games because any moment that is special to the team you're covering, whether it's a July winner on a Wednesday or whether it's a world cup title, is going to feel that momentous, at least in that moment. And um, so that's that's why I love doing this. Uh, pretty soon we're going to see Wes in like a dark alley, curled up in the fetal position, like <laughs> jonesing for, for soccer, just out there calling old Landon Donovan goals in the alley but, by himself. But seriously, do you want to know why my brother is so good at this, to toot his horn like we did at the beginning? It's because he's been doing this since he's two years old. Because I was sitting yeah. there at four, 12 years apart. I was sitting there at 14 calling games in basically the proverbial dark alley, right? And in the in the playroom of our house. And he was there as a two-year-old doing color commentary. Like, unfortunately, I spread my addiction to him. Uh, all right. All right. So <laughs> World Cup U.S. winner. Atlanta Braves walk off in the bottom of the ninth, kneel down for a University of Tennessee national championship. Which one do you want to call? University of Tennessee. They're oh, always the first love. Always the first love. No question. All right. Uh, Steve, I think that's it. You got anything else? Wes, I think, you're, I think you do a great job, man. Um, I learned a lot from, from you and, and the rest of the broadcast team for Nashville SC. Uh, I don't don't sell yourself short. You earn all the opportunities you get, and uh, you're excellent at what you do. And frankly, I think Steve questioned about how much more polished you are today is unfair because I thought you were incredibly polished when you got started. So no, uh, sir, no, sir. I've <laughs> I've come a long way, and I still have a very long way to go. <laughs> Wes, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, we, we're looking forward to enjoying the calls the rest of the season. Thanks, guys. That was Wes Bowling, of course, your Nashville SC radio play-by-play man. And I've actually had the chance to work with him a couple of times. He, he is a consummate professional, uh, extremely eloquent, uses very big words, as you heard even during the interview, using words that most play-by-play people don't use, um, which, is part of, words. Which, is part of the, which is part of the gig in soccer. There's a certain language eloquence to soccer broadcasts that I think is, is really uh, enjoyable, and uh, I think he does a great job with it. I think Tony and Jamie do great work with it. I think we are we have been sort of spoiled with for an expansion franchise to have the level of broadcasters we've had, and Wes is no exception. There is, and we mentioned this. We mentioned this talking with Wes. Uh, Apple uh, Apple TV will, will will have all of the MLS broadcast next year, except for kind of a limited number of. Uh, of ESPN and maybe even Fox broadcast. They haven't, they haven't kind of sorted the the network part of that out yet, but, um, but almost, almost every single broadcast for Nashville C next year will be on Apple. 
and that means that the they will control the announcers. The interesting thing to me is uh, there's going to be a, there's going to be an audio option that's going to let you listen to the home radio feed, so you can still have your home call for uh, for the game. And I, I'm I'm kind of giddy at the prospect if uh, you know if, if Tony and if Tony and Jamie go up to the national broadcasts, which they're good enough to. I mean, they're they're, Jamie, they're Jamie one will. of the, Jamie yeah, will. Yeah, they're they're one of the top crews. Uh, I think of, of any of the whole broadcast crews. Yep. Uh, it'll be really fun to listen to Wes calling, uh, calling my, calling my TV, uh, calling my TV uh, feed there in my in my own home. I'm, you mean, I'm, you, I'm, mean uh, you mean calling a game on your television? Exactly. Okay. All right. Use, use your use your word, Steve. It's okay. It's okay. You're the writer. It's fine. Yeah. Um, no, it's uh, listen. I. It's weird to be like rooting for Tony and Jamie to be leaving the market. Like it's weird because yeah. I and I'm not so rooting good. for. Them. I mean, I mean, no, no, no. But they're but they're so good that they deserve it. And frankly, here's the other thing: I would assume if you were a smart and rational producer of these games, that you would want to take the ten best local crews and probably regionalize them to some degree and play. Like if Atlanta's playing, or if Nashville's playing, or if Charlotte's playing, like you want. Tony and Jamie on the call because there's a familiarity there with certain clubs. And I think it would make sense for them to be doing a lot of Nashville SC games, you know, over the course of a, a given year. But I'm also rooting for them to to do that because I want West Bowling on my TV. So yeah. Selfishly I everybody I, wins. Selfishly I, I root for for West Bowling. So he's great, man. And um the the hat tips and studying of John Ward and the broadcasting world, like he's just great at it and uh give him a lot of credit. And it's a it, it was you know, the, the the three or four times I worked with him, he he made me pushed me to become a better broadcaster by like leaps and bounds. Him and John both, and uh, uh, honored to just have a couple of moments with them in the booth back in the day, the USL, the USL days. So, uh, uh, by the way, check out the Club and Country podcast, brought to you by the 440 Sports Network, where Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan host what I would consider the greatest Nashville SC podcast in the history of the world. Every single week, out every single Tuesday morning. It's the authoritative Nashville SC broadcast brought to you by I think I think the way they phrase it is two people who have covered it covered the team longer than anyone else in their respective disciplines. That is that is such a, it just rolls off the tongue, Wes. It just rolls right just off. Rolls, every rolls. time every time Tim says it, I, it it kind of makes me chuckle because I'm like, guys. Well, the only time Tim has to say it is when Wes misses an episode and he's like trapped in a Canadian airport or something. Yeah. And and Wes does it, but then Tim does it, and like you're like, okay, where's Wes? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but again, Wes could have, but, but, but quite a, quite a good podcast. Yeah, it's it's fantastic, and Wes could have made it easier by you know, long, shortening the words a little bit for 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 Tim. A. I, I will say, there's no other podcast in the market that has uh, people listening to the coaches call every week. There's no no question about that. Well, and and, and they do a great job because of so. Tim mentioned this when he was on here, uh, when he was on here uh, recently, that because of his connections with other soccer writers and their connections with other kind of podcasts around MLS, they have a lot of great guests on. And and typically, when they bring on somebody to preview other teams, it's a it is a great deep dive uh, yep. into an upcoming game. And and I've gone into. You know, I've gone into uh, home games here, watching, knowing, you know, kind of fully briefed on what the opponent is going to do, how they're going to set up, you know, who, what players to watch. 
it is really, it is really, really fantastic. Uh, and, and they, you know, about, on about half their podcasts, they're previewing uh, kind of upcoming stuff. So just, yep. again, very no, well done. They are great. It is, uh, it is a fantastic show. You also check it out. And since that's sort of a, a pseudo recommendation, I'll just pivot right into another recommendation for you guys. Um, I, I, have, I have a very specific reason for this, but I want to recommend this podcast. It's called Stars Matter. Uh, it is by The Athletic. It is by a guest who's been on this show, two of them, actually, Mitch Light and Ari Wasserman. They do a podcast called Stars Matter. It's about recruiting, but it's also it's not just sort of like the nitty gritty of every single like player commitment or whatever. There's bigger picture stories that they tell. Uh, and they had some slappy on this week to be a, a guest on the show. So I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd recommend the Stars Matter podcast from The Athletic by Mitch Light and Ari Wasserman. Go check it out. You might hear some. Some voice you might hear a voice you recognize on there this week, so go check it out. Woo! Yeah, nice tease. Shamelessly, yeah. shamelessly promoting yeah. someone else's product for myself. Wait, wait, way to recommend your own appearance, there, buddy. Uh, I'm I'm promoting their podcast. They shouldn't care why. Yeah, that's why uh, you have me on is to promote the podcast. So, uh, so my recommendation is something that I haven't even seen yet, but I know, but but I'm recommending it anyway. Did you watch the, did you watch House of Dragon and crash HBO Max over the weekend? No, I did not. I, I I'm not a Game of Thrones guy. Oh my god. I know. What about, I know. What about F Boy Island? You you into that? I'm not I'm not an F Boy Island guy either. Oh, you're so you're a nice so, guy. Okay. So in the very first lamestream podcast, it was either the first or the second, but I believe it was the first. I recommended a book it's called 22 Foreigners and Funny Shorts. Uh and it is it, it's about it, it was about uh, the World Cup coming to America in 1994, and a f- great British writer named Pete Davies, and he inter- he he interwove U.S. players playing in in Europe. So it was like Casey Keller and John Harkes and Claudia Reyna, with his experience following a season in Wrexham. Wrexham is a is a town in in Wales uh, known for. Uh, you know, forty degrees sideways rain for <laughs> for most of the season. S- sounds lovely. Yeah. Uh, so Wrexham was bought by Ryan Reynolds uh, of Deadpool slash whatever fame, and Rob McElhaney of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fame. Uh, and they produced Rob McElhaney's guy- got Ryan Reynolds money. <laughs> but yeah, wow. <laughs> it ain't Rob McElhaney's money. Uh, and so. They have produced this documentary called Welcome to Wrexham, uh, which debuts on Thursdays on FX, and then it's on Hulu oh. after that. Okay. But it is it is kind of the story of them buying this club. It's in the very bottom of uh, – it's in the very bottom echelon of, of, of the, the football ladder over there. I think, I, I think they're, league, they're either League Two or they're a conference side, which is like even like non-league football. Question. Yeah. Can – an echelon be at the very bottom of a league? Is that a thing? Well, if it's out of the league, I mean, it's it's complicated. Like, because... So like so like Vanderbilt is the bottom echelon of the SEC. Is that I feel like echelon is reserved normally for the top end of things normally. No, well, if there's echelon, that 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 implies layers. Any, t- any any layered tiered system. Any tiered system. So you could have a negative echelon. I never realized that. I mean, okay. you're talking about you always talk about the top echelon, but there's always a bottom echelon. <laughs> I just, I just, I would like to spend some time with the echelon here and really. We're gonna end up out. doing. We're gonna end up doing whelmed again, aren't we? Like, overwhelmed, underwhelmed, perfectly whelmed. Well, anyway. what? So you're an editor. Uh, 
what what happens when someone says very unique to you? Do you do you cringe? Uh, no, I just delete it. <laughs> delete the very. I just, I just delete the very. Uh, anyway. Echelon noun: a level or rank in an organization, profession, or society. See, there you, there go. you go. It's a level. Uh, welcome to Wrexham. Uh, debuts. Uh, we're recording this on. We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, record. Uh, so it, it debuts tonight on. God, today is Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue. No, well, just I'm just gonna let you work your way through this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, this is again great podcasting here. Uh, I, I'm just I'm I'm very excited about it. First two episodes dropped tonight. I'll stay up, watch cool. both of them. Uh, it is, I mean, very very entertaining guys. Uh, sport I love. Uh, in, okay. in a place okay. in a in a place that is is very interesting. You know, kind of this this town in Wales that is kind of built all. I mean, there's just they live and die for the team. Okay. And, uh, All right. Can't wait to can't wait to watch it. Couple, couple of documentary like uh, not necessarily recommendations, but just sort of thoughts. Um, I've watched me and the wife watched the Manti Teo documentary and the Princess Diana documentary. One Manti Teo is from from Netflix. Princess Diana is from HBO. And what's interesting, first of all, I don't think I learned anything really about either of the two stories. Um, both of them pretty well covered right and so i don't now the one that one one of the tactics that i thought was interesting is that the entire princess diana documentary was done without narration (laughs) there was not a single sit-down interview there was not a single there wasn't a narrator that did voiceovers it was told which i think is interesting and and a a kind of a cool twist i didn't learn much about the story because i kind of knew all of it but like they did the entire hour and a half documentary with audio from the footage they used yeah and from some other interviews that took place at the time like going back to the 90s i thought that was just an interesting twist it certainly adds a a level of difficulty to the production value i don't i think it would have been a better documentary if you had some people talking on the record about all of this but i understand maybe some some difficulties in acquiring those interviews as well um the manti teo thing and this is what i'll tell you because i know i'm going to do a little bit more digging on this but i i think that there are some like who had final edit on the Manti Teo documentary? I think there are some questions about, um, again, didn't learn a whole lot, but it painted him and the family in a very, very kind of not necessarily positive light, but you felt a lot of sympathy for Manti Teo afterward. And there are some rumblings that this documentary was going to take place elsewhere and that the Teo family got maybe a better offer to go somewhere else. And so there's some, I think there's some like final edit control in that documentary that I want when you watch it, just keep that in mind as you're watching it. That, is it final? I I, I, I'm interested to watch this because is it a question of final edit or is it a question of participation inevitably shaping shaping a that's documentary probably, in, in a certain way? And it's that, always going to be more positive when or more sympathetic when you hear the actual voices of those people who that, participated. That, that is probably a better way of putting it. It, it is that. If you want us to be a part of this, we will be more of a part of it if you give us the freedom to tell our story kind right. of deal. And and that's and again, that's probably a more accurate portrayal. Um, and again, I've heard some stories on this, so I'm going to do some some more research because college football is kind of my my area. So I'm going to I'll hopefully I'm going to I'm going to find it some, is I'm going to find some stuff. <laughs> I'm going to find some stuff about this because the only part that was interesting to me was how Deadspin stumbled on the actual story. That's the only part that I found interesting was the two guys, the two people that were that kind of broke the news for Deadspin 
explaining how they figured out that it was a story in the first place. That is sort of for, that for, is, for the for those of you who don't remember, it's it's like one of the best catfishing stories, our most interesting cat, it, catfishing stories. It might be the original catfishing story. Yeah, which is also part of the documentary. So, um, it, people just didn't get people didn't know what catfishing was in two thousand and you know twelve or whatever eleven. So go check it out. I, I recommend watching it. I don't think you're gonna learn a whole lot, but they were both entertaining for different reasons. Um, go check them out. Uh, otherwise, go to Jasper's. Listen to West Bowling on a broadcast. Hashtag Better Bowling. Uh, Steve, where can people find you? They can find me at Scavendish on Twitter or Instagram. Or uh, if you uh, if you want to go to NashvilleBanner.com and give us your email, you can uh, get Nashville Banner stories when we produce them every few weeks uh, delivered right to your inbox. There you have it. All right. Uh, that about does it for us. Thanks to Wes for hanging out. You can follow me at Braden Gall. Thanks for hanging out with us. Have a great weekend, everybody. For Steve Cavendish, my name is Braden Gall. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.